This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's Super Bowl Sunday, February 3rd. I'm Margaret Brennan, and this is Face the Nation from Atlanta, Georgia, site of Super Bowl 53. As the country turns its attention to an annual American tradition, we'll kick off Super Bowl Sunday with an interview with President Trump. In a wide-ranging discussion, we talked about ongoing negotiations with Congress over funding his wall and last month's shutdown. You had quite the showdown with Speaker Pelosi. What did you learn about negotiating with her? Well, I think that uh, she was very rigid. The president split with his own intelligence team over the dangers posed by withdrawing from Syria and Afghanistan. The concern here by your intelligence chiefs, though, is that you could, in that vacuum, see a resurgence of ISIS, see a resurgence of terrorism. We'll We'll come back if we have to. And of course, football. Would you let your son Barron play football? Uh, It's very. It's a very tough question. It's a very good question. If he wanted to, yes. Would I steer him that way? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Then it's on to the game. We'll have pregame analysis from our own James Brown. Plus, talk with some of the best sports reporters in the business. It's all ahead this Super Sunday on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. We're in the NFL Experience Complex at the site of Super Bowl 53. The presidential interview is a tradition for the network broadcasting the game. And this year, it's on CBS. So we sat down with President Trump in the Blue Room in the White House on Friday. Would you shut down the government again? Well, we're going to have to see what happens on February 15th. And You're not taking I, I off think, the table. Well, I don't, I don't take anything off the table. I don't like to take things off the table. Uh, it's that alternative. It's national emergency. It's other things. And, you know, there have been plenty national emergencies called. And this really is an invasion of our country by human traffickers. These are people that are horrible people bringing in women mostly, but bringing in women and children into our country, human trafficking, and uh, we're going to have a strong border. And the only way you have a strong border is you need a physical barrier, you need a wall. And anybody that says you don't, they're just playing games. You had quite the showdown with Speaker Pelosi. What did you learn about negotiating with her? Well, I think that uh, she was very rigid, which I would expect, but I think she's very bad for our country. Uh, She knows that you need a barrier. She knows that we need border security. She wanted to win a political point. I happen to think it's very bad politics because basically she wants open borders. She doesn't mind human trafficking or she wouldn't do this because, you know, she offered you over a billion dollars for border security. Excuse me. She offered over a billion dollars for border security. Uh, She doesn't want the wall. She's costing the country hundreds of billions of dollars 
because what's happening is when you have a porous border and when you have drugs pouring in and when you have people dying all over the country because of people like Nancy Pelosi, who don't want to give proper border security for political reasons, she's doing a terrible disservice to our country. And on the 15th, we have now set the table beautifully because everybody knows what's going on because of the shutdown. People that didn't have any idea, they didn't have a clue as to what was happening, they now know exactly what's happening. They see human trafficking. They see drugs and gangs and criminals pouring in. Now, we catch them because we're doing a great job. But if we had proper border security, we wouldn't have to work so hard and we could do an even better job. And I think Nancy Pelosi is doing a terrible disservice to the people of our country. But You're still going to have to deal with her, no, though. No, she can keep playing her games, but we will win because we have a much better issue. Uh, on a political basis, what she's doing is, uh, I actually think it's bad politics, mm -hmm. but much more importantly, it's very bad for our country. I want to ask you about uh, your intelligence leaders who were testifying on Capitol Hill this week. Did you read the report that they presented? I did. And did you, there was some conversation you had because you went on Twitter and you called them naive and told them to go back to school. Well, what I think, specifically was wrong about what I they said? I think that, let me just say, it wasn't so much a report, it was the questions and answers as the report was submitted and they were asked questions and answers. We've done an incredible job with Syria. When I took over Syria, it was infested with ISIS. It was all over the place. And now you have very little ISIS and you have the caliphate almost knocked out. We will be announcing in the not-too-distant future 100 percent of the caliphate, which is the area, the land, the area, 100. We're at 99 percent right now. We'll be at 100. When I took it over, it was a disaster. Uh, I think we've done a great job with that. At the same time, at a certain point, we want to bring our people mm -hmm. back home. If you look at Afghanistan, we're going in very soon. We'll be going into our 19th year spending $50 billion a year. Now, if you go back and look at any of my campaign speeches or rallies, I talked about it all the time. You did. You've been talking I about this. I want people home. But that's one of the questions here is because you have these strongly held convictions, and people ask, well, why don't the facts influence those opinions if those facts change? And, and your director of national intelligence said ISIS uh, still has strongholds in Iraq and By Syria way, and will launch attacks from there. You're going to always have pockets of something. Mm -hmm. You're going to have people like the one-armed man who blew up a restaurant. You're going to have pockets, but you're not going to keep armies there because you have a few people or you even have fairly reasonable numbers of people. We've been there for many, many years. We were supposed to be in Syria for four months. We've been there for years. Uh, we have been in Afghanistan for 19 years. And by the way, I've been hitting very hard in Afghanistan, and now we're negotiating with the Taliban. We'll see what happens. Can Who you knows? trust the Taliban? Can you actually broker uh, a deal? Look, whether we should have been there in the first place, that's first question. Second question for is we've been there for 19 from. years, almost. We are fighting very well. We're fighting harder than ever before. And I think that they want, I think they're tired. And I think everybody's tired. We got to get out of these endless wars and bring our folks back home. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to be watching with intelligence. We're going to be watching and watching closely. Uh, North Isn't that Korea, harder when you don't have troops on the ground? 
uh, well, everything's harder, but, you know, you pay a big price for troops on the ground. We're spending hundreds of billions of dollars on military. We're the policemen of the world. Because the and concern in here be. by your intelligence chiefs, though, is that you could, in that vacuum, see a resurgence of ISIS, see sure. a resurgence and you know of terrorists we'll like Al-Qaeda. We'll come back if we have to. We have very fast airplanes. We have very good cargo planes. We can come back very quickly. And I'm not leaving. We have a base in Iraq, and the base is a fantastic edifice. I mean, I was there recently, and I couldn't believe the money that was spent on these massive runways and these every I've, I've rarely seen anything like it. And it's there, and we'll be there. And frankly, we're hitting the caliphate from Iraq and as we slowly withdraw from Syria. Now, the other How thing How many troops are, are still in Syria? When are they coming 2,000 troops. When are they coming home? Uh, they're starting to as we gain the remainder, the final remainder of the caliphate of the area, uh, they'll be going to our base in Iraq, and ultimately some will be coming home. But we're going to be so there. So that's we're a matter staying, of months? We have to protect Israel. We have to protect other things that we have. But we, are, yeah, they'll be coming back in a matter of time. Look, we're protecting the world. We're spending more money than anybody's ever spent in history by a lot. We spent, over the last five years, close to $50 billion a year in Afghanistan. That's more than most countries spend for everything, including education, medical, and everything else. Is there a scenario a where countries. you would keep troops in Afghanistan, a smaller number? I mean, Yes, and I'll leave intelligence there, real intelligence, by the way. I'll leave intelligence there, and if I see nests forming, I'll do something about it. But for us to be spending $51 billion like last year, or if you average the cost, it's, I mean, you're talking about numbers that nobody's ever heard of before. The Senate Republicans voted, vast majority of them said that they don't support what you're doing, that what you're doing risks national intelligence by a precipitous withdrawal from Syria and Afghanistan. Doesn't that concern you? I ran against 17 Republicans. This was a big part of what I was saying, and I won very easily. I think the people out in the world, I think people in our country Agree. We've been fighting for 19 years. Somebody said you're precipitously mm-hmm. bringing to precipitously. We've been there for 19 years. I want to fight. I want to win. And we want to bring our great troops back home. I've seen the people. I go to Walter Reed Hospital. I see what happens to people. I see with no legs and no arm arms. And I've seen also what happens to them up here mm-hmm. because they're in this situation and they come back and they're totally different people where the wives and the fathers and the mothers say, what has happened to my son? What has happened in some cases to my daughter? It's a terrible thing. We've been there close to 19 years and it's time. Now we'll see what happens with the Taliban. They want peace. They're tired. Everybody's tired. We'd like to have, I don't like endless wars. Mm -hmm. This war, what we're doing is got to stop at some but, point. But you also campaigned saying that, you know, President Obama made a big mistake by telegraphing his military moves. You're I'm telegraphing your retreat. Anything. No, no, no. There's a difference. When President Obama pulled out of Iraq, in theory, we had Iraq. In other words, we had Iraq. We never had Syria because President Obama never wanted to violate the red line in the sand. So we never had Syria. I was the one that actually violated the red line when I hit Syria with 59 Tomahawk missiles, if you remember. Mm -hmm. But President Obama chose not to do that. When he chose not to do that, he showed tremendous weakness. But we didn't have Syria. 
whereas we had Iraq. So when he did what he did in Iraq, which was a mistake, being in Iraq was a mistake. Okay, being in Iraq, it was a big mistake to go. One of the greatest mistakes going into the Middle East that our country has ever made. One of the greatest mistakes that we've ever made. But you want but to keep troops there now. Chosen, well, we, we spent a fortune yeah. on building this incredible base. We might as well keep it. And one of the reasons I want to keep it is because I want to be looking a little bit at Iran, because Iran is a real problem. Whoa, and that's news. You're keeping troops in Iraq because you want to be able to strike in Iran? No, because I want to be able to watch Iran. All I want to do is be able to watch. We have an unbelievable and expensive military base built in Iraq. It's perfectly situated for looking at all over different parts of the troubled Middle East. Mm -hmm. Rather than pulling up, and this is what a lot of people don't understand, we're going to keep watching and we're going to keep seeing. And if there's trouble, if somebody's looking to do nuclear weapons or other things, we're going to know it before they do. So you're going to trust the intelligence that you receive? I am going to trust the intelligence that I'm putting there. But I will say this, my intelligence people, if they said, in fact, that Iran is a wonderful kindergarten, I disagree with them 100%. It is a vicious country that kills many people when you talk about torture and so many other things, mm -hmm. and maybe they'll come back. The country is getting absolutely, when I ended the horrible Iran nuclear deal, mm -hmm. it was a horrible deal done by President Obama and John Kerry that didn't know what the hell he was doing. When I ended that deal, Margaret, all of a sudden, Iran became a different country. They became very rapidly. Right now, they're a country that's in big financial trouble. Let's see what happens. I, I want to move on here, but I should say your intel chiefs do say Iran's abiding by that nuclear deal. I know you think it's a bad deal. I disagree deal, with but them. I'm, I'm, by the way, you disagree I have with that intel assessment. people. That doesn't mean I have to agree. Uh, President Bush had intel people that said Saddam Hussein sure. in Iraq had nuclear weapons, had all sorts of weapons of mass destruction. Guess what? Those intel people didn't know what the hell they were doing. And they got us tied up in a war that we should have never been in. And we've spent $7 trillion in the Middle East. And we've lost Do you lost trust your lives. national security advisor, John Bolton, because he worked in the Bush administration? Uh, I do, and I respect okay. John. And uh, John is not one of the uh, people that happen to be testifying or on. Got it. And, and you know what? I tell people, you can testify any way you want. I'm not going to stop them from testifying. They said they were mischaracterized. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I don't really know. But I can tell you this. I want them to have their own opinion, mm -hmm. and I want them to give me their opinion. But when I look at Iran, I look at Iran as a nation that has caused tremendous problem. Yeah. When I came in as President of the United States, my first year, I went to the Pentagon two weeks after I came in, a short time after, and I was given a little, because I wanted to know what's right. going on with Iran. We were in many, many locations in the Middle East in huge difficulty. Every single one of them was caused by the number one terrorist nation in the world, which is Iran. So when my intelligence people tell me how wonderful Iran is, if you don't mind, I'm going to just go by my own counsel. You've had a lot of change up in your administration recently, too. Are you satisfied with the cabinet and the staff you have now? So we have a great cabinet. I have great people. I think now we have a really great cabinet. I think Bill Barr will be a fantastic uh, attorney general. And I think that we have Mike Pompeo has been doing a fantastic job. We have, He's not leaving? 
No, I don't. I mean, he tells me he wouldn't want to leave. I, I think that was... Because McConnell was talking was to him about news. running for that the was, Senate. Oh, he said that McConnell had spoken to well, him about running for the Senate. Well, he may have spoken to him, but I think he loves being Secretary of State. He's doing a fantastic job. And I asked him the question the other day. He says he's absolutely not leaving. I don't think he'd do that. Uh, and he doesn't want to be lame duck. And he's doing a fantastic job as our Secretary of State. Great energy and great, a great smart gentleman. Because you have an acting AG until you get Barr confirmed. Yes. You've got an acting defense secretary, an acting chief of staff, an acting interior okay. secretary. It's easier to make moves when they're acting. So you are going to shake up? Some, and some Position. not. Some are doing a fantastic job. Uh, do, really, I like acting because I can move so quickly. Mm -hmm. It gives me more flex flexibility. But, but actually, uh, some of the names you mentioned, they're doing a fantastic job. How do you know when to fire someone? When it's not happening, when what do you mean? it doesn't get done. Like with General Mattis, I wasn't happy with his services. I told him, give me a letter. He resigned. Uh, he resigned because I asked him to resign. He resigned because I was very nice to him. But I gave him big budgets, and he didn't do well in Afghanistan. I was not happy with the job he was doing in Afghanistan. And if you look at Syria, what's happened? I went to Iraq recently. If you look at Syria, what's happened in Syria in the last few weeks, you would see that things are going down that were not going down, that things are happening that are very good. So I was not happy with him, uh, but I wish him well. We asked House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office for a response to the president's sharp criticism of her. A spokesman told us, quote, the president's wild and predictable misrepresentations about Democrats' commitment to border security do nothing to make our country safer. When we come back, President Trump on football. Memories make us laugh and cry. And sometimes cringe when we look back at our fashion choices. But in between flashbacks of bowl cuts and dad jeans, our memories are fading. And so is the old media that holds them. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako, and we're the founders of Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the easiest and safest way to preserve your family memories. Here's how it works. Fill Legacy Box with your outdated media. We professionally digitize and send them back on DVDs, thumb drive, or the cloud. Look, those forgotten home movies, VHS tapes, film reels, and photos are degrading right before your eyes. Experience peace of mind and enjoy reliving the glory days. Join more than half a million families who have already trusted Legacy Box. Save your memories today. Visit LegacyBox.com slash save, and for a limited time, get 40% off your order. That's LegacyBox.com slash save for 40% off. LegacyBox.com slash save. In the past, President Trump has had some tough criticism for the NFL, but this year, he's got a somewhat different tone. Here's more of our conversation. I want to ask you about uh, your relationship with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. H have you put your differences aside? I think so. I mean, I, I was just one that felt very important. You can't be kneeling for the national anthem. You have to respect our flag and our country. I want that as president, and I'd want that as a citizen. And uh, I have a very good relationship. I did them a big favor in negotiating the USMCA, which is basically the replacement to NAFTA, which is one of the worst trade deals ever made. And I said to Canada, look, we have a great American company known as the NFL, and they were being hurt and treated unfairly, the NFL, by Canada for a long time. And I said to Prime Minister Trudeau, 
who was very nice about it and really understood it, I hope you can settle the difference immediately and fast. And they did. So I did the NFL a big favor as a great American company, and they appreciated it. And Roger Goodell, this is a dispute that has gone on for years. Roger Goodell called me and he thanked me. Uh, and I appreciated that. But they haven't been kneeling and they have been respecting the flag and their ratings have been terrific ever since. And a lot of good things happened. Talking about the, the kneeling position you've taken and the controversy around it, do you think that the players who did kneel had a point? I mean, do, are you sensitive at all to players like Colin Kaepernick who, who point out that the majority of victims of police violence are black? Well, you know, I'm the one that uh, had passed judicial reform. And if you look at what I did, criminal judicial reform and what I've done, uh, President Obama tried, they all tried, everybody wanted to do it, and I got it done. And I've been, you know, really a lot of people in the NFL have been calling and thanking me for it. Really? Uh, they have been calling and thanking. You know that people have been trying to get that taken care of, and it's now signed into law and affects tremendous numbers of people and very good people. Uh, I think that when you want to protest, I think that's great. But I don't think you do it uh, at the sake of our flag, at the sake of our national anthem. Absolutely. But you are, do I understand you saying there, though, that, that you still are sensitive, though? I mean, you, you understand the motivation for the protest, though you well, don't like I the do. form of it. A lot of it is having to do with reform, from what I understand, uh, whether it's criminal justice or whatever it may be. And they have different versions, and everybody seemed to have a different version of it. But a lot of it had to do with that, and I took care of that. I think that people have to at all times respect our flag and at all times respect our na our, our national anthem and our country. And I think there are plenty of places and times you can protest and you can do a lot, but you can't do that. That's my opinion. In a CBS poll we just took, 63% uh, of Americans say they disapprove about how you're handling issues of race in the U.S. Well, what do you think I think of that, that uh, what has happened is very interesting. The economy is so good right now. You saw the jobs report just came out, 304,000 added jobs, which is a shocker mm -hmm. for the month, a shocker to a lot of people. They thought it was going to be half that number. Uh, the African-Americans have the best employment numbers in the history of our country. Hispanic-Americans have the best employment numbers in the history of our country. Asian-Americans, the best in the history of our country. You look at uh, women, the best in 61 years. And our employment numbers are phenomenal, uh, the best in over 50 years. So I think I've been given a lot of credit for that. And in terms of race, a lot of people are saying, well, this is something very special, what's happening. So, Because when colleagues of yours, even like Republican Senator Tim Scott, he said Donald Trump is not racist, but he said you're racially insensitive. Well, I have a great relationship with Tim and certainly with his state, South Carolina, mm -hmm. and uh, where we do very well. And I think... Uh, if you look at the numbers for African-American unemployment, best numbers they've had, literally the best numbers they've had in history. And I think they like me a lot, and I like them a lot. Would you let your son, Barron, play football? Uh, it's, very, it's a very tough question. It's a very good question. If he wanted to, yes. Would I steer him that way? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Why? I wouldn't. And he actually plays a lot of soccer. He's liking soccer. And 
A lot of people, including me, thought soccer would probably never make it in this country, but it really is moving forward rapidly. I just don't like the reports that I see coming out having to do with football. I mean, it's a dangerous sport. And I think it's, you know, I, I, it's really tough. I thought the equipment would get better, and it has. The helmets have gotten far better, but it hasn't solved the problem. So, you know, I, I hate to say it because I love to watch football. I think the NFL is a great product, but I really think that as far as my – well, I've heard NFL players saying they wouldn't let their sons play football. So uh, it's not totally unique, but I, I would have a hard time with it. There will be more of our conversation with the president about football at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific as we get closer to kickoff. And we'll get the president's thoughts on North Korea, the Russia investigation, and China in our next half hour. Are you having trouble sleeping? NFL players have been coached. Blue light from smart devices, it can affect your sleep. They'll even wear blue blocker glasses in the evening for improved sleep. Others will try tart cherry juice and smoothies. Not only can it help fight inflammation, but to help you sleep, it's got high amounts of natural melatonin that's beneficial for sleep. The other night, my girlfriend told me I was snoring way too much and even the earplugs weren't helping. So the next day, she took me to a sleep number store. Because if I was snoring, at least she could get a good night's sleep on a sleep number bed. Sleep number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Experience the smart, effortless comfort of the Sleep Number 360 smart bed. Find your competitive edge with proven quality sleep from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash cadence. That's sleepnumber.com slash C-A-D-E-N-C-E. Sleep Number. Welcome back to Face the Nation from the site of Super Bowl 53 here in Atlanta. We continue our conversation with President Trump, which took place Friday just before he was wheels up for his home in Palm Beach, Florida. What surprised you about some of the questions that Robert Mueller asked you? Well, look, the Russia thing is a hoax. I have been tougher on Russia than any president, maybe ever, but than any president. We're, but when it comes to the investigation that the special counsel is conducting, I mean, 34 people have been charged here. Excuse seven me. Guilty okay, you police. ready? Okay, you ready? Of the 34 people, many of them were bloggers from Moscow, mm -hmm. or they were people that had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with what they're talking about, or they were people that, that got caught telling a fib or telling a lie. I think it's a terrible thing that's happened to this country because this investigation is a witch hunt. It's a terrible witch hunt, and it's a disgrace. Do you think it should be When you look at public? General Flynn, where the FBI said he wasn't lying, but Robert Mueller said he was, 
and they took a man and destroyed his life. When you look at so many of the things that have happened, uh, why didn't they go after Hillary Clinton for her emails? She had 33,000 emails that were deleted after receiving a subpoena from Congress. And, and according Excuse to the special me, counsel, they were posted why? on WikiLeaks, and your friend Roger Stone was just indicted for his involvement. First of all, Roger Stone didn't mine. work on the campaign, mm -hmm. except way, way at the beginning, long before we're talking about Roger is somebody that I've always liked, but a lot of people like Roger. Some people probably don't like Roger, but Roger Stone's somebody I've always liked. I mean, Roger's a character. But Roger was not, I don't know if you know this or not, Roger wasn't on my campaign, except way at the beginning. Right. So it's all, and, and yet you will ask me a question like that. Wasn't involved in my campaign. Would you pardon him? I have not thought about it. Uh, it looks like he's defending himself very well. But you have to get rid of the Russia witch hunt because it is indeed. And because remember, you think remember it, this. Mm -hmm. Remember this. There has been no president that has been tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. Would you make the Mueller report public because you say there's nothing in there? It's totally Congress up can to the attorney general. Anyway, though. Totally up to the but attorney general. What do you want general. them to do? Even the Mueller report said it had nothing to do with the campaign. Uh, when you look at some of the people and the events, it had nothing to do. You wouldn't have a problem if it became me. public. Excuse me. No, it's up to the attorney general. I don't know. It depends. I have no idea what it's going to say. Okay. So far, this thing's been a total witch hunt, and it doesn't implicate me in any way. There was no collusion. There was no obstruction. There was no nothing. doesn't implicate me in any way, but I think it's a disgrace. What would make you use the U.S. military in Venezuela? What's the national security Well, I don't want to say interest? that, but certainly it's something that's on the uh, – it's an option. Would you personally negotiate with Nicolas Maduro to convince him to exit? Well, he has requested a meeting – and I've turned it down because we're very far along in the process. You have a, a young and energetic gentleman, but you have other people within that same group that have been uh, very, very, uh, if you talk about democracy, it's or really democracy in action. When did he we're request We're going to see what happened. Uh, a number of months ago, he wanted to meet. I but thought now, it was because you're fun. at that crisis well, now point, would we'll you have negotiate to see, that? I would say this. I decided at the time, no because so many really horrible things have been happening in Venezuela. When you look at that country, that was the wealthiest country of all in that part of the world, which is a very important part of the world. Mm -hmm. And now you look at the poverty and you look at the anguish and you look at the crime and you look at all of the things happening. So I think the process is playing out very, very big, tremendous protests. North Korea, when and where are you going to meet Kim Jong-un? Uh, I won't tell you yet, but you'll be finding out probably State of the Union or shortly before. But the meeting is set. He's looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. We've made tremendous progress. If you remember, before I became president, it looked like we were going to war with North Korea. Now we have a very good relationship. The hostages are back. Mm -hmm. Okay? The remains are starting to come back. The remains of our Korean war veterans. But your intelligence chief testified this week that Kim Jong-un is still very unlikely to give up his nuclear well, that's weapons what, program. Well, that's what the intelligence chief thinks. And I think Why there's a wrong? good possibility of that, too. But there's also a very good chance that we will make a deal. I think he's also tired of going through what he's going through. He has a chance to have North Korea be a tremendous economic behemoth. It has a chance to be one of the great economic countries in the world. He can't do that with nuclear weapons, and he can't do that on the path they're on now. I like him. I get along with him great. We have a fantastic chemistry. We have had 
tremendous correspondence that some people have seen and can't mm-hmm. even believe it. They think it's historic. And we'll see what happens. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to make a deal, but certainly I think we have a very good chance of making a deal. And one of the reasons is because North Korea has a chance being located between Russia, China, and South Korea. What a location. I'm in the real estate business. <laughs> what a location. They have a chance to be an economic power. You're going to keep U.S. troops there? In South Korea? Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about anything else. Maybe someday. I mean, who knows? But, you know, it's very expensive to keep troops there. You do know that. We have 40,000 troops in South Korea. It's very expensive, but I have no plans. I've never even discussed removing them. I want to quickly get to China. The last time you spoke with Face the Nation, you were 100 days into office, and you said you would accept a less than perfect trade deal with China if it meant they'd be helpful with North Korea. Do you stand by that? Well, uh, yes, but I think we're in a different position now. What do you mean? Uh, We've put very massive tariffs on China. China's paying a big price, and it's hurt China's economy very badly. I want them to make a fair deal. They have been very helpful, especially at the beginning, when I first came in with North Korea. They have stopped goods from going in. They have stopped a lot of things from going in through the border, because, as you know, they have a border just like we have a border with Mexico where crime is way up, by the way, way up, and you have to remember that. But we have a border with, uh, they have a border with North Korea. They have been very vigilant. Uh, Are they the same now? Probably a little bit less so. But uh, North Korea is absolutely talking, and I think North Korea wants to make a deal. We are making a deal. It looks like we're doing very well with making a deal with China. I can tell you this, no two leaders of this country and China have ever been closer than I am with President Xi. We have a good chance to make a deal. I don't know if we're going to make one, but we have a good chance. And if it is a deal, it's going to be a real deal. It's not going to be a stopgap. Sir, I hear your helicopters. I'm being told to wrap. I appreciate you being generous with your time. Thank you very much, Margaret. Thank you. Thank you. for us today. We hope you stay with CBS all day through a special late show with Stephen Colbert. I'm Margaret Brennan from Atlanta. Today's guest was President of the United States, Donald Trump. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow the show and CBS News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our digital network, CBSN, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in. 
no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.